Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening, whether you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether you are watching this on YouTube, thank you very, very much for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Shoot the J. Uh, today, as I sit here in isolation in my Chicago apartment, uh, a question came to me last night, and I know you guys pretty well. I know my demographic well enough that I knew the answer to this question, but I, I figured it would be interesting to at least include it uh, in this episode. Does James Harden need a championship in order to validate his legacy and whatever it is that that would exactly entail uh, in the history of basketball? And the answers were a resounding yes. Uh, you guys think that that has to happen. Now, instead of getting into why I do think, why I don't think I agree with that, let's just kind of say what it is, which I think has been become a reoccurring thing. And we're also not going to look into like the Oklahoma City days because James Harden wasn't unlocked yet. He wasn't the player that he is today. And I think that was something that we did a lot when the Russell Westbrook trade happened last July. We looked back to those numbers to see if it was a precursor to what's going to be happening this season and today. Um, and it, it just wasn't really fair to do that. I was guilty of doing it as well. Um, we tried to look at those numbers to see, will this work? Will this not work? Neither of those players, it wasn't just James Harden, neither James nor Russell Westbrook were the, the player that they were today. Um, and in terms of did it work? Well, Russell Westbrook is playing the best basketball that he's played maybe in his career. James Harden is still James Harden. He can be that guy whenever he needs to, or he'll go, you know, four of 20 from three. Um, so, look, the Rockets went from being one of the best teams in basketball one week to the, most recently the worst team in basketball. So, yeah, as far as small ball goes, I have no idea. If anybody can figure it out, it is Daryl Morey. And that's kind of where this is going to go next. I know this is going to seem like I'm just using this as like another way to talk about Daryl Morey. It's like, Nick, please, for one episode, it's like the freaking Cavs. You just won't stop talking about them. Listen, it can be tied into a lot of things, both the Cavs and Morey ball. So I'm going to keep talking about it. Um, James Harden is obviously like the quintessential embodiment of of what he needed in order for Daryl Morey needed in order for this algorithm, this system to thrive. And he's been on record before saying Kevin Martin uh, was the precursor for it. And Kevin Martin is a guy who not only, well, first let me say this. Kevin Martin is a guy who was spent two years in Houston, I think. And it was averages like 23 and a half in his first year. It's like seven and a half or eight free throws a game, like five, three pointers a game. So like the volume isn't on par with what James Harden does today. But it's something that, like saying he's a precursor, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's fair enough to say. But then you have a guy like James Harden who's putting up 100 threes and 100 free throws a night. Kevin Martin is a guy who is a part of one of my favorite forgotten like NBA trivia moments ever. Uh, like He was supposed to be in that trade where Kevin Love got sent to the Warriors uh, the year that LeBron like made his decision to go back to Cleveland. It was supposed to be what Kevin Love and Kevin Martin – for Clay Thompson and then filler, and I believe the filler was supposed to be Harrison Barnes. Now, obviously, that worked out, and the Warriors ended up winning the finals that year by not doing the trade because Clay, Clay Thompson was like a catalyst in actually doing that, and so was Harrison Barnes. Uh, so it worked out, and <laughs> the, the Timberwolves ending up with Wiggins, and you know, what, well, like six years later, they finally got the point guard that they actually wanted uh, in exchange for Wiggins, so whatever. Um, with James Harden, it's always going to come down to what has he won and, like, what has he won in his career. He's obviously won an MVP uh, in 2018. And what I said the other day uh, when I was talking about, like, what the MVP has become to me 
and you know what I think it is today, uh, which is just what's the better narrative, what's the better storyline for people to follow and care about in any respective season. That year it was James Harden. I think LeBron should have won. I thought he was the better player, and I believe statistically he was. Like if you look at averages, he wasn't, but if you look at totals, he was. Um, James Harden that year, yeah, it was the pinnacle of what was a revolutionary style of play for basketball, and like he was amazing that year. So you have to give it to him. And I think what's just so poetically beautiful, what's so ironic about the whole thing is like Daryl Morey's created a style of play that will inevitably and probably be, well, inevitably and probably, or they kind of offset each other. What will inevitably be his downfall and what could very reasonably be the reason that he is no longer uh, running a basketball team. Um, The Rockets winning 60 basketball games in 2018, the year that James Harden won MVP, uh, that was, I mean, they were arguably the best team that year behind the Warriors. Like, you could say that they were second, and you're probably not wrong. You could make the case that they were first, though. And that's another one of those instances where it's like James Harden is so close to winning something significant all the time. Like, all the time. And sure, they could never get over the hump that was the Golden State Warriors. After they added Kevin Durant, it was always going to be really difficult. And 2018 was their best shot. 2018 was the best shot the Rockets have had since the mid-90s. And what happened? You missed 27 consecutive threes in the Western Conference Finals. In what sort of mirrors what the problem is with James Harden just as a whole and sort of what the problem with Maury Ball is. Look, yeah, James Harden has these nights where, and it's, it happened when he started the season, happened in the middle of the season, and it's happened recently. He goes 2 of 15, 3 of 19, like 4 of 23 from the perimeter. And you look at it and you're like, this guy stinks. Look, when you when you are as high volume of a shooter as James Harden is, these outlying nights are bound to happen. Is it a good look when they happen in succession all the time? Not particularly, and it happens all the time, like every single year. You'll have these stretches where James Harden is just terrible. But he's also, what, he had a 60-point triple-double, right? James Harden, and sure, his defensive effort comes and goes, and usually it's gone, like if you're an opposing team uh, if you're an opposing team's ball handler and you're just like on James Harden, you just go after him. You're probably going to be fine. With James Harden, man, I, I, this is what Josh Eberle said, and he correctly pointed this out, and I was very glad that he did. The man who was usually the voice of reason, I was glad that he was the one that said what I was thinking because I wasn't going to weigh on it. I just wanted people to, to with the in terms of what James Harden needs to win. Winning a championship for James Harden, I don't think – would necessarily validate him it would just better shape his uh the way that people view him right in a more positive context because finally the way that he plays the way that the rockets play they finally they finally did it they they finally won something meaningful and i think with james harden he's one of those guys who you know in 10 years and while it may not be instagram or twitter whatever medium is around the nba side of that Oh, people people forget how good James Harden was. They didn't appreciate it when he was around. No, honestly, we didn't because it was really easy and it is really easy to villainize him and criticize him and to just not like him. It's true. Like, one of the reasons that the NBA ratings was down, this is one of the theories that I had, was because the Rockets were on national television two nights a week, it felt like. And that's like the one style of play that people do not enjoy watching. So are you going to tune into a like a Rockets-Thunder game? No. Well, like, Rockets-Thunder is different because it's like – homecoming for Russ, a Rockets, I don't know, Suns game, 
Like, you're not going to watch these games because people don't want to watch him play. One of the facets of his game that I enjoy the most is his passing. I really, really enjoy him as a facilitator. I don't know, folks. For me, it's like he's one of those dudes that I just woke up one day and I just stopped hating him. He's also one of those guys. Look, maybe this is maybe this is a little bit extreme to say. In the NBA today, when you want to talk about signature moves, I don't know. You think LeBron with his tomahawk. You can say the chase down block. And are you wrong? No, probably not, because the way that he does it is always so calculated. The way that LeBron, like he'll always in transition, right? He'll just like slow down, but then like, boom, he's there and it's the block and it's awesome. So sure, we'll include that. With Steph, it's like, and I again, I believe this point was originally made by Ryan Rossillo. Just, well, I'll get to the actual point in a second. With Steph, it's like anything he does is just off the dribble. You know, like, does he have something that, like, that's his go-to? It just feels like he always just does something absurd where he's just, like, falling away from the basket. He's just doing something insane. But what comes to mind immediately was the play against the Clippers in, what, 2015, I think, where he's, like, dribbling through, like, Chris Paul, Spencer Hawes, and, I, I don't know, DeAndre Jordan, maybe. It was, like, one of the most insane things I'd ever seen on live television until the Oklahoma City shot the following year, two years from then. No, it was the following year, 2016. It was a 73-9 year. James Harden's step back is one of the most popular moves in basketball today. Like, if somebody replicates it, if you're at a gym and you're playing and somebody replicates that, it's not just a traditional step back. Like, it's got the high knee. You're going to be like, well, it's because he's traveling. He's got, like, the high knee, and I'm, I'm doing it right now. But that move is, and saying iconic is maybe a bit of a stretch. Um, but I think what James Harden brings to the table for basketball today is uh, showmanship, and it's true. And people want to use the the foul calling, and the hooking. And I don't. I mean, the hooking is annoying, but people want to use the fact that he gets to the line so much as like a way to uh, minimize, diminish what exactly it is that he accomplishes on the court. And I, I've always thought that that's kind of lame. I've never really been a big fan of that because it's like I'm not gonna fault the guy who understands and has gone into what the refs will and will not call and uses that to, to his advantage. Why well, I'm not going to fault him for that. That's an amazing strategy. If that was your favorite player, you would love it. What's the problem here? If he's, if he's going to generate as many free throw attempts as he does, he's going to generate as many three-point attempts as he does, one of the best shot creators in basketball. Um, yeah, he's one of the best scorers in basketball. And it's true. And in you know, it's it's difficult to say in the history, but of the sport, but it's true. Where he'd fall in that category, I don't know. He's one of them, though. Moving forward, I, no. Uh, if he does, if he never wins, if he never goes to the finals again, and he never wins, um, I think his legacy will just sort of be a guy who was sort of in this inherently flawed system. No matter how much I loved it, I recognize it for what it is. Um, and it sucks really bad, but while he was there, he as an individual was amazing. He was exceptional. And if you deny him of that, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Bucks fans. I get why you guys don't like him though. If you made it this far, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much. I got to the end of this and I feel like I didn't make as many basketball points as I wanted to. If you're watching this on YouTube, do the like thing, do the subscribe. I hate doing this so much. 
Like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to rate and review. If you made it this far, thank you very, very much. I will catch you guys in the next one.